Section twenty four of A Romance of Two Worlds by Marie Corelli. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter fourteen. Part one. The Electric Creed. The electric principle of Christianity opened as follows. From all eternity, or the supreme spirit of light, existed, and to all eternity he will continue to exist. This is plainly stated in the New Testament thus God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. He is a shape of pure electric radiance. Those who may be inclined to doubt this may search the scriptures on which they pin their faith, and they will find that all the visions and appearances of the deity there chronicled were electric in character. As a poet forms poems or a musician melodies, so God formed by a thought the vast central sphere in which he dwells, and peopled it with the pure creations of his glorious fancy. And why? because being pure light he is also pure love the power or capacity of love implies the necessity of loving the necessity of loving points to the existence of things to be loved hence the secret of creation from the ever-working intelligence of this divine love proceeded the electric circle of the universe from whence are born all worlds this truth vaguely dawned upon the ancient poets of scripture when they wrote darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. These words apply solely to the creation or production of our own earth, and in them we read nothing but a simple manifestation of electricity, consisting in a heat passage of rays from the central circle to the planet newly propelled forth from it, which caused that planet to produce and multiply the wonders of the animal, vegetable, and mineral kingdoms which we call nature. Let us now turn again to the poet-prophets of Scripture. And God said, Let us make man in our own image. The word our here implies an instinctive idea that God was never alone. This idea is correct. Love cannot exist in a chaos, and God, by the sheer necessity of his being, has forever been surrounded by radiant and immortal spirits emanating from his own creative glory, beings in whom all beauty and all purity are found. In the images, therefore, only the images, of these children of light and of himself, he made man, that is, he caused the earth to be inhabited and dominated by beings composed of earth's component parts, animal, vegetable, and mineral, giving them their superiority by placing them with his likeness in the form of an electric flame or germ of spiritual existence combined with its companion working force of will-power. Like all flames, this electric spark can either be fanned into a fire, or it can be allowed to escape in air. It can never be destroyed. It can be fostered and educated till it becomes a living spiritual form of absolute beauty, an immortal creature of thought, memory, emotion, and working intelligence. If, on the contrary, he is neglected or forgotten, and its companion will is drawn by the weight of earth to work for earthly aims alone, then it escapes and seeks other chances of development in other forms on other planets, while the body it leaves, supported only by physical sustenance drawn from the earth on which it dwells, becomes a mere lump of clay, animated by mere animal life solely, full of inward ignorance and corruption and outward incapacity. Of such material are the majority of men composed, by their own free will and choice, because they, habitually, deaden the voice of conscience, 
and refuse to believe in the existence of a spiritual element within and around them to resume the earth is one of the smallest of planets and not only this but from its position in the universe receives a less amount of direct influence from the electric circle than other worlds more happily situated were men wise enough to accept this fact they would foster to the utmost the germs of electric sympathy within themselves in order to form a direct communication or system of attraction between this planet and the ever-widening ring so that some spiritual benefit might accrue to them thereby but as the ages roll on their chances of doing this diminish the time is swiftly approaching when the invincible law of absorption shall extinguish earth as easily as we blow out the flame of a candle true it may be again reproduced and again thrown out on space but then it will be in a new and grander form and will doubtless have more godlike inhabitants in the meantime during those brief cycles of centuries which are as a breath in the workings of the infinite and which must yet elapse before this world as we know it comes to an end god has taken pity on the few very few souls dwelling here pent up in mortal clay who have blindly tried to reach him like plants straining up to the light and has established a broad stream of sympathetic electric communication with himself which all who care to do so may avail themselves of here may it be asked why should god take pity because that supreme shape of light finds a portion of himself in all pure souls that love him and he cannot despise himself also because he is capable of all the highest emotions known to man in a far larger and grander degree besides possessing other sentiments and desires unimaginable to the human mind it is enough to say that all the attributes that accompany perfect goodness he enjoys therefore he can feel compassion tenderness forgiveness patience all or any of the emotions that produce pure unselfish pleasure granting him therefore these attributes and it is both blasphemous and unreasonable to deny those virtues which distinguish the best of men it is easily understood how he the all-fair beneficent ruler of the central sphere perceiving the long distance to which the earth was propelled like a ball flung too far out from the glory of his electric ring saw also that the creatures he had made in his image were in danger of crushing that image completely out and with it all remembrance of him in the fatal attention they gave to their merely earthly surroundings lacking as they did and not possessing sufficient energy to seek electric attraction in brief this earth and god's world were like america and europe before the atlantic cable was laid now the messages of goodwill flash under the waves heedless of the storms so also god's cable is laid between us and his heaven in the person of christ for ages always remembering that our ages are with god a moment the idea of worship was in the mind of man with this idea came also the sentiment of propitiation the untamed savage has from time immemorial instinctively felt the necessity of looking up to a being greater than himself and also of seeking a reconciliation with that being for some fault or loss in himself which he is aware of yet cannot explain this double instinct worship and propitiation is the keynote of all the creeds of the world and may be called god's first thought of the cable to be hereafter laid a lightning thought which he instilled into the human race to prepare it as one might test a telegraph wire from house to house before stretching it across a continent 
All religions, as known to us, are mere types of Christianity. It is a notable fact that some of the oldest and most learned races in the world, such as the Armenians and Chaldeans, were the first to be convinced of the truth of Christ's visitation. Buddhism, of which there are so many million followers, is itself a type of Christ's teaching. Only it lacks the supernatural element. Buddha died a hermit at the age of eighty, as any wise and ascetic man might do today. The death and resurrection of Christ were widely different. Anyone can be a Buddha again. Anyone cannot be a Christ. That there are stated to be more followers of Buddhism than of Christianity is no proof of any efficacy in the former or lack of power in the latter. Buddhists help to swell that very large class of persons who prefer a flattering picture to a plain original, or who, sheep-like by nature, finding themselves altogether in one meadow, are too lazy as well as too indifferent to seek pastures fresher and fairer. Through the divine influence of an electric thought, then, the world unconsciously grew to expect something, they knew not what. The old creeds of the world, like sunflowers, turned towards that unknown sun. The poets, prophets, seers, all spoke of some approaching consolation and glory. And to this day the fated Jews expect it, unwilling to receive as their Messiah the divine martyr they slew, though their own scriptures testify to his identity. Christ came born of a virgin, that is, a radiant angel from God's sphere was in the first place sent down to earth to wear the form of Mary of Bethlehem and Judea. Within the vessel of absolute purity, God placed an emanation of his own radiance, no germ or small flame such as is given to us in our bodies to cultivate and foster, but a complete immortal spirit, a portion of God himself, wise, sinless, and strong. This spirit, pent up in clay, was born as a helpless babe, grew up as a man, as man taught, comforted, was slain and buried, but as pure spirit rose again and returned in peace to heaven, his mission done. It was necessary in order to establish what has been called an electric communication between God's sphere and this earth, that an actual, immortal, untainted spirit in the person of Christ should walk this world, sharing with men sufferings, difficulties, danger, and death. Why? in order that we might first completely confide in and trust him, afterwards realizing his spiritual strength and glory by his resurrection. And here may be noted the main difference between the electric theory of Christianity and other theories. Christ did not die because God needed a sacrifice. The idea of sacrifice is a relic of heathen barbarism. God is too infinitely loving to desire the sacrifice of the smallest flower. He is too patient to be ever wrathful and barbaric ignorance confronts us again in the notion that he should need to be appeased, and the fancy that he should desire himself, or part of himself, to become a sacrifice to himself, has arisen out of the absurd and conflicting opinions of erring humanity, wherein right and wrong are so jumbled together that it is difficult to distinguish one from the other. Christ's death was not a sacrifice. It was simply a means of confidence and communion with the Creator. A sinless spirit suffered to show us how to suffer, lived on earth to show us how to live, prayed to show us how to pray, died to show us how to die, rose again to impress strongly upon us that there was in truth a life beyond this one, for which he strove to prepare our souls. Finally, by his reascension into heaven, he established that much-needed electric communication between us and the central sphere. 
it can be proved from the statements of the new testament that in christ was an embodied electric spirit from first to last his career was attended by electric phenomena of which eight examples are here quoted and earnest students of the matter can find many others if they choose to examine for themselves one the appearance of the star in the vision of angels on the night of his birth the chaldeans saw his star in the east and they came to worship him the chaldeans were always learned people and electricity was an advanced science with them they at once recognized the star to be no new planet but simply a star-shaped flame flitting through space they knew what this meant observe too that they had no doubts upon the point they came to worship him and provided themselves with gifts to offer to this radiant guest the offspring of pure light the vision of the angels appearing to the shepherds was simply a joyous band of the singing children of the electric ring who out of pure interest and pleasure floated in sight of earth drawn thither partly by the already strong attractive influence of the radiance that was imprisoned there in the form of the babe of bethlehem when christ was baptized by john the baptist the heavens opened three the sympathetic influence of christ was so powerful that when he selected his disciples he had but to speak to them and at the sound of his voice though they were engaged in other business they left all and followed him four christ's body was charged with electricity thus he was easily able to heal the sick and diseased persons by a touch or a look the woman who caught at his garment in the crowd was cured of her long-standing ailment and we see that christ was aware of his own electric force by the words he used on that occasion who touched me for i feel that some virtue has gone out of me which is the exact feeling that a physical electrician experiences at this day after employing his powers on a subject the raising of jairus's daughter of the widow's son at nain and of lazarus were all accomplished by the same means five the walking on the sea was a purely electric effort and can be accomplished now by any one who has cultivated sufficient inner force the sea being full of electric particles will support anybody sufficiently and similarly charged the two currents combining to procure the necessary equilibrium peter who was able to walk a little way lost his power directly his will became vanquished by fear because the sentiment of fear disperses electricity and being purely human emotion does away with spiritual strength for the time six the death of christ was attended by electric manifestations by the darkness over the land during the crucifixion the tearing of the temple veil in twain and the earthquake which finally ensued seven the resurrection was a most powerful display of electric force it will be remembered that the angel who was found sitting at the entrance of the empty sepulchre had a countenance like lightning i e like electric flame it must also be called to mind how the risen christ addressed mary magdalene touch me not for i am but newly risen why should she not have touched him simply because his strength then was the strength of concentrated inrushing currents of electricity and to touch him at that moment would have been for magdalene instant death by lightning this effect of embodied electric force has been shadowed forth in the greek legends of apollo whose glory consumed at a breath the mortal who dared to look upon him eight the descent of the holy ghost by now which term is meant in the ever-flowing current of the inspired working intelligence of the creator was purely electric in character suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and they appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and sat upon each of them 
it may here be noted that the natural electric flame is dual or cloven in shape. End of section 24